Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. מעל כל השגות הטבע ומי שיצא אל האור עומדים כאן בתור מלא ניסים וכל העולם עכשיו לא נברא אלא בשבילו העולם עכשיו לא נברא אלא בשבילו
מחכים, מצפים, מקווים ורוצים שיגיע כבר היום לאותם סיגולה ונראה גאולה ונזכה עוד בקרוב כל יהודי בתוך ליבו יאמר אחכה לו
Sometimes your world comes crashing down. You ask, why me? Why now? Why now? Your mind is fighting for sanity.
From the Art of the Cantor, Natan El Hirschnick here on a JM in the AM Tuesday morning broadcast with Tanya. I was reading about it, uh, read, read an article about Yossi Green, the amazing and incredible composer. And uh, he was talking about, among many other uh, selections, he was talking about Tanya <clears throat> that he wrote um, and that Avram Fried made so incredibly famous. Anyway, I'm trying to get uh, the Great Hillel fold on. About yesterday's uh, tech disaster or social media disaster. So I'm just trying to make arrangements for him to join us in the next half hour or so. We'll see if he's available and if we can um, secure him for JM in the AM. He's, of course, in demand in a lot of places, but we're going to try to get him here. On JM in the AM. Uh, Natanel Hirschnick with Tanya. Gamzu and Birchas Achodesh done by Leif Tahar. <coughs> uh, Uri Davidi, that's Halavai and Ribona Maasim. Yishai Ribos, Miksha Achad Zahav. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Tuesday on this October the 5th, day 29 in the month of Tishrei. The year is 5782. Tufshin Pei Bays. It's Erev Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan. We'll start saying uh, Yalaviavo again tonight <laughs> after a, a month that included a lot of Yalaviavo. We'll say Yalaviavo tonight. Wednesday and Thursday will be Rosh Chodesh, a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Tomorrow, big day at JM in the AM. On the first day that we say Ulechaparas Pasha, which is going to be tomorrow, and those of you familiar with Rosh Chodesh Musaf know what I mean. On the first day that we'll say Ulechaparas Pasha, Rabbi David Heber is going to join us here at JM and the AM to discuss 5782, give a little preview to the year 5782 and what we could expect calendarically. That's all going to be happening uh, tomorrow, 735, right here at JM and the AM. Big day tomorrow in general here at JM and the AM. <clears throat> Rabbi Mayer Yudid is going to join us on his brand new book about Chinuch, about Jewish education. 
and um, and we'll have an opportunity to speak to Rabbi Heber, like I said, at 7.35 here at JM and the AM. It's a Tuesday with 61 degrees, 89% humidity, winds in north at 9 miles per hour, light rain, cloudy weather, and a high temperature of 70. Then tonight, cloudy skies, chance of uh, rain, and a low temperature of 62. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and a high temperature of 73 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 76. We're at uh, 61 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, I'm uh, happy to announce, literally uh, at the beginning of this brand new season, I'm happy to announce that the Jewish Unity Initiative is back and we are hitting the road. We are bridging the gap between Jewish communities and featuring an amazing uh, Jewish community and its establishments uh, to the entire world this coming week. What am I talking about? Well, essentially, we're doing what millions have been doing over the last year and a half, <laughs> and that is heading to Florida, <laughs> where our wonderful friends at the Beth Israel Congregation and at the uh, – <laughs> that is pretty funny, huh? Uh, we're heading to Florida like everybody else. Uh, the Beth Israel Congregation under the leadership of Rabbi Bixin are welcoming us Monday night, a show that you're going to hear on Tuesday morning. And Rabbi Guttenberg and the uh, folks at the uh, Rabbi Alexander Gross Hebrew Academy down in Miami Beach are going to be welcoming us on Tuesday on a uh, show that you're going to be hearing on Wednesday morning here at JM and the AM. We are literally heading to Florida with big thanks uh, to uh, both of those great institutions for welcoming us and for bringing us down and really getting an opportunity to celebrate Jewish life in another city uh, to kick off the brand new year, the brand new season in amazing style, and in all seriousness, uh, to visit a community that has been uh, uh, acting very differently than some of our communities up here have been doing over the last year and a half. We'll get the entire story and visit with our friends in Miami Beach starting Monday night, a show that you're going to hear Tuesday morning, and then again Tuesday, a show that you're going to hear Wednesday morning right here at JM in the AM. Practically speaking, those of you down in Florida, and it is amazing how many people have already contacted me from different areas of Florida about coming to see the show and to participate. Uh, those of you in Florida, uh, it's pretty simple. On Monday night at 7 p.m., Beth Israel Congregation on West 40th Street in Miami Beach is going to have a major celebration of Jewish life, of uh, coming back to shul, of starting off the brand new year, and by welcoming us, JM and the AM, down uh, to their uh, amazing synagogue in Miami Beach. And we'll be there. There'll be a, uh, a, a wonderful dinner that they're going to be serving. Uh, we'll be there with all the excitement of a live radio show. And we'll have an opportunity to uh, meet some of the key people uh, down in Miami Beach and just have an amazing time uh, in um, in a place, like I say, that it seems millions and millions have been gravitating to over the last year and a half. Why? Why is Miami Beach? Why is Beth Israel? Why are all these places so attractive? Why are they the, uh, the apple of all of America's eye? <laughs> we'll find out when we get down there um, on Monday. So again, it's Monday, 7 p.m. We're going to find out the details if people from outside can come in, visit, etc., uh, but if you're down there in Florida, get ready for us. Monday night, we're at Beth Israel Congregation. On Tuesday, we're going to be at the uh, uh, at the um, uh, Rabbi Alexander Gross Hebrew Academy down in Miami Beach. And again, the first show that we do down in Miami, you'll hear Tuesday morning on JM in the AM. 
Uh, that's one week from today. And the second show that we do on uh, Tuesday, you'll hear on Wednesday morning, a week from tomorrow, right here at JMNAM. So the Jewish Unity Initiative is uh, is back, Baruch Hashem, in a very challenging time for travel. Thank God the Jewish Unity Initiative is back. In fact, our New Jersey chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, will be with us, will be accompanying us and leading the trip, and we'll be down there starting on Monday night. So all the details, all the reminders, it's all coming up right here at JM in the AM. Tuesday morning broadcast, plenty more happening on this Erev Rosh Chodesh. A reminder that Rabbi David Heber is going to be joining us tomorrow. Jewish calendaric trivia, if you will. That's going to be our theme. That's going to be our discussion as he gives a preview of the year 5782. So that's all happening tomorrow right here at, uh, at JM in the AM. And um, just trying to see if we can get confirmation from Hillel Fold. And if we do, then we'll try to get him on toward the beginning of the 7 o'clock hour on yesterday's social media disaster. Um, well, some people call it a disaster. Other people would probably refer to it in other ways, frankly. So hopefully we'll have that for you coming up here at JM in the AM. And uh, for those of you who are going to be up late tonight, no excuse, because, hey, you know, the Yankees are in a big playoff game tonight. Those of you who are going to be up late tonight, no excuse. You can't miss hour number one of tomorrow morning's JM in the AM. So I'm just letting you know in advance. <laughs> that we that we expect you here as usual <laughs> during our JM in the AM broadcast. I'm telling you that now. I don't want to want to think that they're exempt or they could possibly uh, sleep a little later than usual simply because uh, a local team is in a very very important baseball game. No, no, no. Doesn't work that way. Not at all. Aton Cats is next. It's Tuesday. It's Erevers Chodesh. Plenty happening. Here at the JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, here is Eitan Katz.
לא ממורא גיהינם, רק מתוך אהבה, ולא מטוב גן עדן, רק מתוך אהבה, אני עובד אותך, רק מתוך אהבה, ולא מטוב גן עדן, רק מתוך אהבה.
winds of war had finally passed. One man took on the sacred task to bring the scattered Jewish children home. Traveled far from place to place, a quest to reignite the faith of those sent into hiding long ago. He entered the fortress gray and cold. Your kind is not among us, he was told. Hashem above, he whispered, please don't let me fail. As he began to sing, Shema Yisrael, oh Shema. Shema Yisrael, know that there is but one God above. When you feel pain, when you rejoice, know how He longs to hear your voice. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem with fear a terrified young people face a daunting new frontier the sea parts before them a miraculous display they lift their voice to heaven Shiraz Hayam they pray
J.M. in the A.M. with the Amuna medley done by Baruch Levine. Ari Hill and Ellie Marcus before that with their medley. You heard Mika Amcha done by Diaspora. And, of course, Eitan Katz in there with Chabad Nigun. It's Tuesday morning at J.M. in the A.M. It's Erev Rosh Chodesh. Tonight begins a two-day Rosh Chodesh. We'll start saying Yalaviovo tonight at Mariv. And um, Rosh Chodesh again Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday and Thursday. Rosh Chodesh. And um, tomorrow, Rabbi David Heber, on the first day that we say Ulochaparas Pasha, on the first day this year that we say Ulochaparas Pasha, Rabbi David Heber is going to be joining us here on JM in the AM. 7.35 tomorrow morning. We'll talk about his brand new book. We'll talk about the year 5782. We'll talk about the uh, calendaric trivia that he wants to share with us about the new year and uh, in general. Maybe topics you want to discuss with us that are not related to the new year. Who knows? That's all happening tomorrow, 7.35 here at JMN. The big announcement has been made. We are the guests of the Beth Israel Congregation down in Miami Beach on Monday night, a show that you'll hear Tuesday morning between 6 and 9 right here at JMN. My thanks to Roy Bixen for the invite. My thanks to Ralph Rosenbaum, our New Jersey chair of the Jewish Unity Initiative. We'll be down in Florida starting Monday night, 7 p.m. We're going to be... Uh, uh, doing the show from uh, Beth Israel Congregation and airing it Tuesday morning here at JMNAM. On Tuesday, we're going to be at the Rabbi Alexander Sender Gross Hebrew Academy in Miami Beach. And we will be there uh, during the day and do Wednesdays JM in the AM from there. So we're heading to Florida, where everyone, it seems, <laughs> has been heading over the last year and a half. We'll be there starting Monday night. Very much looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun, and it should be an amazing opportunity to highlight one of the key Jewish communities in America, especially over the last year and a half. Got lights on in the background. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of web at NahumSingle.com and the NahumSingle Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to JMDM. דיווח ערבי, המוסד חטף בסוריה גנרל איראני במטרה לחלץ ממנו מידע על רון ארד. בדיווח שפורסם בעיתון על רי עליום, היוצא לאור בלונדון, ניתן כי לאחר חטיפתו נלקח הגנרל למדינה אפריקנית שבה הוא נחקר. בתום החקירה הוא שוחרר. כתבנו לעניינים ערביים ג'קי חוגי מוסר שלא נמסר בדיווח מה היו תוצאות החקירה. רק לאחר המבצע הבינו האיראנים מי הגורם שחטף את הקצין. היום השלישי של שביתת המטפלות במעונות היום, מאות מטפלות מפגינות בשעה זו מול משרד האוצר בירושלים, במחאה על תנאי השכר ומחסור בכוח אדם. כתבתנו הילד בון מוסיפה שאתמול התקיימה פגישה בין נציגי האוצר, הכלכלה וארגוני המעונות, אך באוצר טרם נענו לדרישות. סגן שרת הכלכלה, חבר הכנסת יאיר גולן, העריך אצל אמיר איבגי, בקרוב נמצא פתרון צודק. הסברה רונת ברביבאי על הנושא הזה, ואכן צריך לתת מענה ראוי למטפלות שבאמת עושות עבודת קודש, ובאמת זוכות לשכר שהוא לא ראוי. אני משוכנע שבמהלך השעות הקרובות, הימים הקרובים, נגיע לעמק השבט, ואנחנו ניתן פתרון מפתיע רצון לכולנו, בראש ובראשונה למטפלות. חבר הכנסת ישראל אייכלר מיהדות התורה דוחה את האפשרות שמפלגתו תצטרף לקואליציה לאחר אישור התקציב. הוא שוחח עם נורית קנטי בגלי צה"ל. 
אין לנו אישור מועצת גדולי תורה. כאשר מי שרוצה להריץ אותנו במריצות למזבלה אומר אתמול מפורשות שהוא לא מסכים, ויאיר לפיד גם לא מסכים, אז סתם דיבורים בעלמא, אין אפילו על מה להציג שאלות. עסקת ענק ביטחונית נחתמה בין ישראל לצ'כיה, ארבע סוללות הגנה אווירית מסוג ספיידר נמכרו לצ'כיה בכשני מיליארד שקל. מדווח כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון דורון קדוש. מנכ"ל משרד הביטחון אמיר אשל חתם היום בפראג על ההסכם, במסגרתו תמכור ישראל ארבע סוללות הגנה אווירית מסוג ספיידר מתוצרת רפאל, המסוגלות ליירט מגוון איומים אוויריים כמו מטוסים, מסוקים ומל"טים. היקף העסקה נאמד בכ-620 מיליון דולר. שר הביטחון גנץ אמר כי מדובר בעסקה בעלת חשיבות אסטרטגית עם מדינה מברית נאט"ו, שתייצר מקומות עבודה בשתי המדינות. פרס נובל לפיזיקה הוענק לשלושה חוקרים מיפן, איטליה וגרמניה עבור גילויים בתחום השפעת האדם על כדור הארץ וחקר האקלים. כתבת חדשות החוץ, מיכל גלנץ. השנה התחלק הפרס בין שני מועמדים, בפרס אחד זכו צמד חוקרים על מחקרם אודות השפעת האדם על כדור הארץ וההתחממות הגלובלית והמודל שפיתחו לחיזוי שינויי האקלים. בפרס נוסף זכה חוקר איטלקי על פיתוח מודלים בחקר הקוונטים. לזוכים יוענק פרס כספי על סך עשרה מיליון קרונות שוודיות. ומזג האוויר, ללא שינוי בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. J.M. and the A.M. on a Tuesday morning, Erev Rosh Chodesh. Don't forget we start saying Yalav Yavo tonight. A two-day Rosh Chodesh, Wednesday and Thursday tomorrow. Rabbi David Heber with his brand new book with Jewish calendaric trivia and a preview of 5782 and what we need to know about the calendar. That's all tomorrow morning at 7.35 right here at J.M. in the A.M. Our trip to Florida has been announced. It is official. We're the guests of Beth Israel Congregation in Miami Beach on Monday night. where we will record J.M. and the A.M. for Tuesday morning, and then we're the guests of the Ray Alexander Sender Gross Hillel... Um, um, uh, oh, gosh. Now, now I'm drawing a blank. Um, uh, <laughs> Hebrew Academy, thank you. I don't know why I was thinking Hillel. Uh, oh, and maybe because of our next guest. Uh, Hebrew Academy down in Miami Beach. We'll be there on Tuesday recording our J.M. and the A.M. for Wednesday morning. We're doing what half the world has been doing for the last year and a half, heading to Florida. With the Jewish Unity Initiative, our chairman from New Jersey, Ralph Rosenbaum, they'll, he'll be with us. It's all going to be happening starting Monday night down in Miami Beach, and we're looking forward to speaking to you from there officially Tuesday morning during JM in the AM. Well, yesterday when the entire world collapsed, uh, technically speaking, or social media speaking, uh, and Twitter was out and Facebook was out. Well, tw- I don't know if Twitter was ever out. Uh, I wouldn't know. I'm not a big Twitter guy. But Facebook was out and Instagram was out and... Uh, WhatsApp was out, which seemed to be the biggest disaster in the Jewish community. Uh, first person I thought of was Hillel Fold, who, of course, is a tech blogger and vlogger, very, very familiar to people in this audience. He is um, uh, somebody who already posted about the uh, tech outage or the social media outage and uh, had a lot to say, both technically from a technical standpoint and from a spiritual standpoint. And uh, for that reason, I've invited him on. discuss what happened yesterday. Hillel Fold, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. It's an honor as always. I appreciate that. Um, this was a long one, right? I mean, as outages go, because you and all of us have been through this before with WhatsApp, Facebook, etc. This was on the long side timing-wise, right? Yeah, it was very long, and it was quite a severe 
uh, outage in terms of uh, what caused it, or at least what we know caused it as of now. Can you explain to a layman, can you explain to somebody who, if he had grandchildren, would be bringing them over to set up all of his equipment constantly, could you, could you explain to someone like me what happened yesterday? Sure. Slight disclaimer, though, and I'm not an engineer. That's important to mention because I'm sure that, you know, an engineer might have a, a deeper technical understanding of what happened. But from my, from my perspective, and again, this is what we know now, um, the rumors of, of, a, of an attack, et cetera, are, as far as I'm concerned right now, rumors. Uh, what Facebook is saying is that one of their routers that uh, basically communicates between their servers and the World Wide Web, the Internet, uh, went down. And because of their security uh, many, uh, basically no employees were allowed into that room to reconfigure the router. And so they kind of, you know, outsmarted their own security and caused this whole thing to themselves. And that's why it took so long to kind of come back online because they have to get security clearance to get people into that room to fix the mistake of, that someone did when they kind of reconfigured the router and they did it wrong. It sounds, you know, to me it sounds unbelievable that a company worth, you know, those hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars uh, has a server that can bring down all of Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. That's just, to me, that's just unbelievable. Hillel Fold is with us. Are, are you shocked? And I know that's the wrong word, but but what is your reaction when you now, like the rest of us, again are reminded about how much we are dependent on those two or three social media and communication services? So I'll, I'll answer that question with a, with a short story. I was on my way to a hospital last night, and uh, I get phone calls from my kids saying, hey, Abba, why isn't my Instagram on my phone working? I said, what are you talking about? You're, you're, you should be working. Your data's fine. And I didn't understand what they were asking me, and I was driving, so I, I had no knowledge of what was going on. But at some point, I, I opened my phone, and I realized, wow, I had no Facebook notifications, no Instagram notifications, no WhatsApp notifications. <laughs> this is strange. And so I opened one by one, and I realized, wow, none of these are communicating with the servers. And I realized that is why my kids thought the data was down, because all they do on their phones is use Instagram and WhatsApp. So when they can't use Instagram and WhatsApp, from their perspective, the Internet is down. Unbelievable. Um, so now uh, so now your further point about the reliability that we are giving, or I should say the reliance that we are giving to, the, to this one social media company, right? Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram, all the same company. Uh, to go about our regular day. Right. So um, my kind of humble personal opinion, and this is, again, with a disclaimer that I know, you know, many, many top-level executives at Facebook, and this is not, you know, some kind of, like, sinister, malicious, you know, plan or strategy of theirs to kind of take over the world, but the reality is that if you think about the influence that Facebook as a company has on our consciousness, it's a little bit scary because, you know, even if you take one of those three services alone – Facebook. The world has never known ever a platform with this level of influence. We're talking about a billion, you know, two billion users. I mean, that's a number that I cannot fathom. And so forget for one second Instagram and WhatsApp, just Facebook alone. It is just the, the amount of influence that this company has, and particularly Mark Zuckerberg has, because from what I understand, he's maintained, you know, quite a strong kind of control on the company in terms of, you know, stock and percentages of that, that he owns. Uh, so really, it is fair to say that Mark Zuckerberg might just be the most powerful man in the world right now in terms of our consciousness, and that is a little bit scary. Wow, unbelievable. Hillel Folds with us. And by the way, just to clarify, that's why Twitter was not down, in fact, yesterday. They're not associated, I would assume, with this whole you know Facebook group, right? 
That is correct. Uh, you know, Twitter wasn't down. TikTok wasn't down. You know, anything that's not associated with Facebook wasn't down. The number that I saw, which was reported by Bloomberg, which is absolutely outrageous, is that Mark Zuckerberg's personal wealth went down by $7 billion in those five hours that Facebook was down. $7 billion, which is, again, hard to fathom. And someone on Twitter said, you know, you know how you know when you're worth too much? When you can lose $7 billion in four hours. <laughs> you know, you know absolutely what, crazy. You know what number is astounding to me? The number five hours. I couldn't believe it. It's only, it was only five hours? To me, it seemed like a lifetime. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I threw out, it might have been a little more, but I'm, you know, just estimating. Um, I think that Facebook stock went down like 6% or something like that. And, um, you know, and that's, again, just Facebook. And we talk about Instagram and WhatsApp. I mean, the whole, it's, you know, specifically in Israel, but, you know, in many, many countries, WhatsApp is the exclusive, you know, messaging platform. And, and I'm telling you, like, parents couldn't communicate with their teachers. I, I, I was on this way to this wedding, and I had to submit a press release to a company that I'm working with. And I literally communicate with my manager there um, over WhatsApp. And I could not send her the press release because WhatsApp wasn't working. And we were all at the wedding, the whole full family, and usually we would share pictures and just complete dead. Nobody could do anything without WhatsApp. It's just, it's scary to think about how much control they have. Unbelievable. Hillel Fold is with us. Finally, Hillel, look, people who follow you know uh, you take your tradition and your heritage very seriously. Uh, the Fold family in general, very spiritual family. Uh, there is a higher message here uh, directed at people who are members of a faith community. And you're speaking, obviously, to uh, people who are part of a faith community on a spiritual level. In addition to the, oh, we rely so much on it, we spend so much time on it. But on a spiritual level, did this give you pause uh, to think about the way a typical life works in 2021? Yeah, I think it's a, it might be an extension of COVID from that perspective, because if we've learned anything over the past two years, it's that nothing is in our hands. And yesterday, when literally, I'm telling you, I was at this wedding, the whole entire place was talking, nobody, you know, I took a picture with my family. I, it's, I know this sounds, you know, funny to you, but I took a picture and I'm like, okay, now what? Like, what do I do with this picture? Right. <laughs> you know, no one prints pictures. You upload it to Facebook, Instagram. I'm just, it's just, you know, it really brings the point home that nothing is in our hands and you cannot trust, you know, anything but Hashem. And at the end of the day, we're talking about a company, like I said before, worth hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, and they could not prevent these massive services from crashing <laughs> and staying down for that many hours. Hillel, someone said to me yesterday it was the most productive day they've had in a long time. <laughs> was your day productive yeah. yesterday or you're too reliant on these systems for it to be a very productive day without them? I mean, like I said, I was at a chasana, so I wasn't working. But, uh, you know, if, if, if I had been, if it had been, you know, work the work day and right. those things had gone down, it would have, it would have. I mean, from my, on my end, it would have, you know, decreased my productivity because I work on these platforms. But, right. you know, the truth is that most, most people who do not depend on these platforms for work, but rather for, for play, uh, they had nothing to do. So they definitely would have increased their kind of productivity. But, and this is important to mention, Twitter was just blowing up because these, you know, nobody had anywhere to go besides Twitter. And right. so there were like hundreds and hundreds of not thousands of like funny memes going around. And like, you know, just, it was just, it was quite hilarious to be on Twitter last night, I have to say. Yeah, there are some members of the uh, uh, of the Jewish community who tend to um, uh, post sarcastic tweets who were really uh, uh, doing a good job yesterday. Let's put it that way. Also, one of the differences for, for you and for us is that, like you just said, 
it was toward the end of the workday in Israel, but for us it was literally right in the middle of the workday, and I'm sure that's a big difference depending on what side of the world you were on uh, in terms of dealing with right. the... Uh, with... 100%. Yeah. I, I do want to say one more thing, though, and it's important to mention this. Um, you know, I'm talking about this whole thing as if, as if Facebook and, and Mark Zuckerberg is some, like, you know, evil man wants to take over the world. And, and it's important to mention, again, like I can, you know, for example, just in one example among many, um, the guy who runs privacy and security at Facebook is an Israeli guy named Guy Rosen, who I know for many, many years, the way he started to work at Facebook is because Facebook acquired his company. And I can tell you, this guy reports straight to Mark Zuckerberg. He's extremely senior at Facebook. There aren't many people that I know that are nicer and have you know, more, a pure heart, more pure heart than, than Guy Rosen. So, I, you know, on the one hand, yes, I, I, it does scare me a little bit how dependent we are. On the other hand, let's just put things in perspective. No one here is trying to, you know, take over the world like many conspiracy theorists are, are trying to imply now. By the way, I'm, I'm asking this question seriously. He, he, his profile went up yesterday or down yesterday? Like, he's a hero because of what ended up happening yesterday or – or he took a tremendous hit because of the, you know, the social media outage in general. He has in Mark Zuckerberg. No, he he, he has in Guy. I don't, Guy is very behind the behind the scenes, under the radar. He doesn't have a public kind of persona, so I don't think it affected him at all. But uh, you know, I definitely, I I would not, I would not have wanted to be in Mark Zuckerberg's seat last. I can't even imagine. Right. You know, I, listen, nothing. Think about this. You, you are you literally have control over. Several billion of people, billions. I mean, who who has that level of control? And here you have these three services that people depend on, and they just go down. I can't even imagine the the level of pressure at Facebook headquarters yesterday. Yeah, I look. I I know what the feeling is when you know our network goes down for thirty minutes, and the the panic that sets in, and the and the and the the worry and nervousness that uh, you know accompanies all of that. I can only imagine. Multiplying that by God knows how many millions, what he went through yesterday and what the company went through yesterday. Um, and, yeah, 100%. And for us, again, for us lay people who don't really get the whole system, can it now continue as normal? Like once this security problem or the way you described it earlier is fixed, can it just continue normally? So uh, as now, or at least as la- the last time I checked, there are some things um, that are still down. For example... Uh, Facebook has a search engine, just like every platform has a search engine. If you go to that search, it shows you your last, you know, most recent searches. As of the last time I checked, which was about an hour ago, my previous searches are gone. It, it's, you know, it just completely deleted it. So, again, I don't know if that's a permanent thing or if it's just, you know, part of, you know, the platform's coming back to life. Um, but I don't, again, as a, as a non-technical, non-engineer, right. just a person who loves tech, I can't imagine that any damage that was done is irreversible. I right. think, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll fix it. They'll come back, and I think uh, I think it's all reversible. Hillel, if I could hold you for another minute, because there's always big audience reaction when you're on, and today's no exception. Uh, one listener says uh, that we should note that Facebook used Twitter to announce the problem, which I guess <laughs> there's an irony there, huh? Yeah, so f- first of all, you know, you asked me if you could keep it for one more minute. I have to say, I think I say this every time we talk, I grew up listening to your show, so you can keep me for as many, as many minutes as you want, like, first of all. Uh, second of all, yeah, it, it, is, it is funny, and you know, a lot of people pointed out when I posted about you know, how scary this is and how much of a monopoly, and I posted it on Facebook and on Instagram, people are like, do you realize the irony here? And, and it is ironic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, listen, Twitter has become, and this is a whole discussion in and of itself, but Twitter has become kind of the default platform for politicians, for actors, for you know, athletes to kind of 
communicate directly with their audience. Obviously, politicians, the first one that comes to mind is obviously the previous uh, president of the United States of America, Donald Trump, who used Twitter to communicate you know, exclusively. Right. Uh, and that's a whole different discussion, the fact that they banned him, et cetera, but not for now. But um, you know, Twitter is kind of the platform where people go to announce things. And so, yes, on the one hand, it is ironic that Facebook used Twitter to announce it. On the other hand, it's not, it didn't come to a, as a surprise to me at all. What do you? What's your reaction to this comment on our app? Listener John says that's why you guys need to install Viber, Telegram, and Signal as a backup. What would you say to that? So, I mean, it's, you know, every time something like this happens, all of the apps that um, are fully encrypted, meaning that nobody can access the messages, uh, their user base increases by tens of millions. I, I, I heard a rumor, obviously I couldn't verify this, that uh, – Telegram um, got 50 million new users yesterday, wow. which is <laughs> insane. But um, I, and again, I don't I don't know that to be a fact. It's just something that I heard. But uh, you know, listen. At the end of the day, I'm I'm pretty skeptical. You know, listen. WhatsApp is also fully encrypted, and so right. I, I don't. You know, if you're going to think, if you believe Telegram, or if you believe any of these other you know messaging apps that no one's reading your messages, then you should have that same faith in. WhatsApp, that they're not reading your messages. So I, I'm not, I don't have any of those apps. I've never downloaded them. And the truth is, you know, without kind of throwing anyone under the bus, a lot of shady things happen on those platforms. So I'm, I'm, I'm good with WhatsApp, and I'm going to not install those things for now. But uh, I, I hear the concern, and I hear the fact that yesterday, literally, I, it's hysterical, I got SMSs. Like, I can't even remember the last <laughs> time I got an SMS. Like, you know, so it, it is, there is something to be said that you have, kind of the ability to communicate when these services go down, right. but I'm not personally a huge fan of these of these apps. That's what we call texts, folks. Uh, Hillel got texts as he calls them SMSs as they do on that side of the world. Uh, and yeah, it was pretty unusual, pretty strange getting those uh, regular iPhone messages, yeah. which we have been few and far between over the last couple of years. Uh, Hillel Fold, I thank you. Thank you for your time and thanks for your insight and we will be in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Hello, Fold, everybody. Tech expert, blogger, vlogger, and uh, somebody who has the uh, abilities he just demonstrated to intelligently discuss yesterday's outage on the main social media platforms. 19 minutes after 7 o'clock Tuesday, JM in the AM.
He's pretty amazing. Shlomo Katz. I hope listener Morris was listening to that one. He would like that a lot. Uh, Simcha Liner before that with Eitz Chaim. Tuesday morning, Erev Rosh Chodesh. Tomorrow by Heber here at JM in the AM. Very much looking forward to that. He'll talk about 5782. He'll talk about Jewish calendaric trivia. He'll talk about his brand new book, which is called, I have it right here. It's called The Intriguing World of Jewish Time. 
It's a pretty amazing book, I have to say. Really amazing. Um, so we are highly recommending it for good reason. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. The Iker, the main idea of Avodos Hashem, of working on the service of Hashem, is to work on our Amuna, our belief in Hashem, to experience the world's events through the eyes of faith, Amuna. After 120 years, one of the questions that everyone will be asked is, did you deal faithfully? When an individual makes an investment, they just don't leave it alone, but constantly they follow it to see how to improve on it. If it's real estate, flip it, sell it. Similarly, when we are young, we have a certain emuna, a certain faith. But as we get older, we're supposed to constantly strive to broaden and deepen it. The Michta Melio, Revelio Desler states that attaining a pure level of Amuna is quite difficult. Even with regard to Avram Avinu, he is deemed to have achieved the ultimate level of Amuna, as it says, and he trusted in Hashem, and Hashem counted it as tzedakah, as righteousness. What hope do we, all the rest of us, have of perfecting our level of Amuna? In fact, there are multiple degrees of Amuna. Understandably, Avram Avinu's level was the highest, but each person can strengthen his own level of Amuna, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstances are. There was a poor Chassid. He once came to the home of Ramoshachayim Rottenberg. He was the brother of the great Ger Rebbe. He was extremely wealthy. In his hand, he had a letter from the Kotzke Rebbe asking Ramosha Chaim to provide the man with his needs for the wedding of his daughter. Ramosha Chaim gave to him one single ruble and wished him well. The chassid left. He was frustrated to return home. After all, he contended that it cost him more than one ruble just to travel to Ramosha Chaim. On the way, a shliach of Ramosha Chaim met him handed him over all the money that he would need to cover the expenses of the wedding. The poor chassid was dumbfounded. He immediately turned around and traveled back to the home of the wealthy Ramosha Chaim. What happened, he asked, when I first came to you? You didn't give me only one ruble, and then you gave me everything. Ramosha Chaim answered him, I saw that when you came in with your letter, that you believed you already had the money in your hands. You put all your trust in that letter, and you forgot that there is a Boreolam, that there is a creator of the world. Therefore, I put you off momentarily in order that you should remember that there is a creator of this world. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. and the A.M. on a Tuesday morning. Erev Rosh Chodesh, a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Tomorrow and uh, tomorrow and Thursday, we'll start saying Yalav tonight. There you go. Well, our good friend David Matlow is with us live via telephone. David, of course, owns the world's largest private collection of Theodore Herzl memorabilia. I am staring, literally staring right now at a gift that David gave me when I was up in uh, Toronto, Canada, to see his incredible collection 
and I got to go back there. Once this whole COVID thing ends, we got to go back and reacquaint ourselves with David's collection. Anyway, the World Expo 2020 was delayed by the pandemic till 2021. It opened in Dubai last Friday. Israel was invited to participate and has a pavilion there. Israel and Zionism has been represented at World's Fairs for, what would you say, folks, 73 years? A little more, a little less? Believe it or not, for 125 years, way before the state. David has researched this fascinating story and through items in his collection of materials found in archives, he's prepared a program which is running tomorrow, Wednesday, October the 6th at 1 p.m. It's being done by the American Zionist Movement. Go to azm.org for information. The program is called Pavilions of Promise. Go to azm.org for information. David Matlow, what a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. It's great to be back. And you're welcome here in Toronto anytime, as soon as the border opens. Oh, you know how much we enjoyed our visit to your to your house museum, and we can't wait to get back there. Uh, I'm literally, you know what I'm staring at? I'm staring at the image of Herzl, that, that blue that blue piece you gave me of him uh, staring at the Rhine. In fact, I need the Rhine. That's the one thing I need here, David. I need. To, <laughs> <laughs> if I had the Rhine, it would be so much more of an authentic uh, uh, view that I have. But he's he's literally in front of me, or the image of Herzl is in front of me, and I thank you for that. It's an image, frankly, as we've discussed, that people should always have in front of them, uh, not taking Zionism, the state of Israel, or what we ha- what we've been blessed with, uh, for granted, simple as that. A lot of people don't even know what the World's Fair is. What's the World's Fair, and why would Israel slash Zionism be represented at a World's Fair way before the state was even founded? Well, it's a great question. World's Fairs have been happening since 1851. The, uh, the first one was in London, England, the, the Crystal Palace, and there have been World's Fairs held since then. In the early days, they were ways, industrial ex- exhibitions, ways for people to see what was happening in the world, new technology, learning about different countries, before television, before the Internet, um, various companies and countries came to a certain place, and the world was invited. The countries would be able to show off, the host country showed off or celebrated um, a milestone in their uh, country's history. And these were very, very prominent uh, world events that started in 1851 and have been running, obviously, till now, because there's a World's Fair that just started on Friday uh, in Dubai. Yeah, for those familiar with... For those familiar with the Consumer Electronics Show, <laughs> that's where they display. Uh, that's where they display and introduce to the world, you know, what's happening next in technology. The World's Fair, as you just described, was basically, you know, what's happening next in so many areas of life. And of course, again, with the internet, as you point out, and and the world being as small as it is now, it may not be as necessary. But there's still an excitement when the World's Fair kicks off, right? It is. For for instance, this one in Dubai, it's massive. It's the first one in the Arab world. And even before the Abraham Accords, Israel was invited. Of course, the Abraham Accords, the peace peace treaty between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. And so it's really quite fascinating. There there are 170 countries in the world. and I, I don't know, there may be 100 countries represented in Dubai, and Israel is there. It's fantastic. And that got me thinking, how long has Israel been represented at World's Fairs? And you're, uh, there was an, and there and was you, an expo in, in, uh, in Canada in 1967, and I went there as a six-year-old. Most Canadians went to celebrate our 100th birthday, and there was an Israel pavilion there. But 
there were Israel and Palestine, Jewish Palestine and Palestine pavilions dating back to 1896. Yeah, I think that that's how the Montreal Expos got their name, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly correct. And on top of that, I believe that the World's Fair that my older siblings went to was actually in Queens, New York, at the World's Fair site that many people are familiar with. So this is not an unfamiliar concept to uh, to those of us in this area of the world. Now, is the Herzl Collection, is this a natural extension that you went ahead and started researching Zionism at the World's Fair? And how was it represented? Was it called Palestine before 1948? Was it called Zionism? How did it manifest itself before the state was around? Well, the connection to my Herzl Collection arose from that 1964 World's Fair that you just mentioned. Wow. There was an Israel pavilion on on the at that fair, and on the wall, the outer wall, there was Herzl's quote, if you will, it, it is no dream, right. I bought that postcard, and that started me down a journey to explore Herzl and Zionism at other World's Fairs. That very same site of the 64 Fair had a World's Fair in 1939, and it's at the 1939 Fair that there was a Jewish-Palestine pavilion, and this was a joint venture between American Jewry Zionists and the Yishuv, Jews in Palestine, through a company called Mishar Vita Trade and Commerce. And the idea was to essentially bring Palestine to Flushing. And uh, everything in that pavilion came from Eretz Israel. It was the second most popular pavilion at the fair, and it opened right uh, 10 days after the British passed the White paper, yep. restricting immigration to Pal- Jewish immigration to Palestine. And so this pavilion became a rallying point for the Jews of, of New York and for America and around the world. I mean, think about what was going on in 1939 on this planet. It, it's unbelievable this was happening in, in New York, as you know, as, as you just as, as you just mentioned, uh, between the uh, the white paper in, uh, in England and uh, obviously what was going on in Europe. It's unbelievable this was happening in New York. And the Second World War, September 1st, 1939, broke out in the middle of the fair. And so a visit to the Palestine, Jewish Palestine Pavilion, according to my reading, was a symbol of unity and also a protest against Nazism and obviously a plea for the rescue of European Jewry. All that wrapped up in the Jewish Palestine Pavilion at the World's Fair. Right here in New York. In New York. David Matlaus with us, world's largest Herzl collection. Tomorrow, he runs a program called Pavilions of Promise, sponsored by the American Zionist Movement. It's 1 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Go to azm.org slash pavilions dash of dash promise. azm.org slash pavilions dash of dash promise. Uh, 1 p.m. tomorrow, full presentation about all of this regarding Zionism. At the World's Fairs. Now you have uh, you 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 created a list for me uh, of different trivial facts that are interesting. Um, <laughs> you indicate that there was actually a Yom Kippur service held in a mosque at the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. That's correct. Chicago had a World's Fair in 1893. It was called the Columbian Exposition to celebrate the 400th anniversary of the. Christopher Columbus's discovery of America, I guess, plus one year. It took an extra year to build it. And in the fairs in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there were things called foreign villages. 
Maybe you couldn't see a movie about what it was like to live in Sudan or in Algeria. So um, they brought uh, they brought people from other uh, civilizations, exotic people who actually lived on the fairgrounds, and the fair grower could go and walk around this foreign village. Some people called them human zoos and see how people lived. And one of those villages was a Turkish village. At the time, Palestine was part of the Ottoman Empire, and the concessionaire who, or the two concessionaires who brought this to the World's Fair were Jewish, and so populated that this um, Turkish village primarily with Jewish people. There was a uh, form of, of a fake mosque on the property, and on Yom Kippur, the Jews who were living on the World's Fairgrounds in the Turkish village had their own Yom Kippur <laughs> services in that mosque. Because I, I said to myself, I bet you there wasn't a mosque in Chicago, but I hear it was a makeshift mosque for the World's Fair, which makes sense. That's then. correct. Uh, World's Fair in 1904. Why was that interesting from a Jewish Zionistic perspective? Well, in 1904, St. Louis had a World's Fair to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Louisiana Purchase. And there were two things that were really interesting from a Jewish perspective. One, there was a 10-acre model of Jerusalem. And that was built as an attraction. You'd pay 25 cents and you could walk the streets of Jerusalem or go on a camel ride through Jerusalem. Donkeys and camels and residents of Jerusalem were brought um, to populate this um, Jerusalem model. It was actually built by Christian investors just to give an example of what it was like in the holy city of Jerusalem with the Wailing Wall beside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, beside the Tower of David, beside the, the mosque. But secondly, from a Zionist perspective, and this is really a symbol of what happened afterwards, Zionists in the local host communities saw that the World's Fair was an opportunity to bring the story of Zionism, the longing for a Jewish homeland, before a world audience. And so a gentleman named Michael Stiffelman, who was a St. Louis Zionist, prevailed upon a journalist who prevailed upon the organizing committee of the World's Fair to fly the Zionist flag among the flags of the nations of the world at the World's Fair. And there is a, quite a, a, a striking picture of the Zionist flag, which later became the flag of the State of Israel, flying in 1904 beside the British flag and the American flag publicly, it's the first time that flag flew among the nations of the world. Um, previously, it would be at Zionist Congresses, parades, meetings, but not out in the public internationally. And this gave prominence and legitimacy to the Zionist dream. And that was a symbol, uh, it was the first of that kind of um, use of the World's Fair, which followed significantly and many times after that. Unbelievable. David Matlow is with us. Uh, and uh, did we cover 1933 Chicago? No, 1933 was another fair, 40 years later in Chicago. And in that fair, there was a decision by the local Zionist organization led by a gentleman named Meyer Weisgal, who was the same person who uh, ran the pavilion in New York in 1939, at the time, his decision was not have a, a pavilion, but let's have a pageant, a giant spectacle, which was held on July 3rd, 1933 at Soldier Field, where the, where the Chicago Bears still play. And it was a, a 
play with thousands of people on the field, performers, living out the history of, of the Jewish people from the time of Abraham through to the Chalutim, the pioneers um, in Eretz Israel at the time. 131,000 people were in the audience, including Chaim Weitzman, who was then a leading Zionist, and later the first president of the State of Israel. And it was... Uh, the purpose was to unify the Jewish community of Chicago and raise money to help rescue the Jews of Germany. Because even in 1933, um, people knew they, they needed help. But this show uh, was sold out. There was a second performance on July 5th. And then it moved to New York. And it was going to be performed in September of 1933 in the Polo Grounds. But it was rained out and moved to be performed for a month in uh, an armory in northern, uh, northern Manhattan, a million people um, came to see it during its one-month performance run in New York City. Um, again, using the World's Fair, using drama, spectacle to help advance the cause of Zionism. Uh, what did you tell us? What year was the first time that Zionism was represented at the World's Fair? What year was it? And it was actually in 1896, there was a World's Fair in Berlin, so literally 125 years ago. And since and in Berl- yeah, go ahead. And, and since then, again, in the 30s, World's Fairs in 31, 33, 37, and back to New York in 39, had Palestine Pavilion. Unbelievable. So even before the state, there was plenty of representation at the World's Fair of Zionism in Palestine. And when you think about the era, the decade of the 1930s, Imagine just how significant that was, what kind of boost of confidence, what kind of boost of enthusiasm it gave to Zionists and Jews around the world uh, to be part of celebrations like that during such a downtime, um, both in Palestine and in Europe. It was a, it was a tough decade, to say the least. Uh, imagine the, the um, injection of Jewish and Zionist pride uh, that uh, people must have felt when attending those world fair, world's fairs. By the way, how badly do you want to be in Dubai this week, and why aren't you there knowing you? <laughs> well, um, we are thinking about going for it. A world's fair runs for six months, so we're thinking uh. of going in, in February. Um, travel restrictions, quarantines, all of that makes it uh, difficult to make any long-term travel plans. Right, but, uh, but uh, my hope is to be able to get there before it's done. Look, uh, you know, you know what they say: if you if you want an Israeli haircut during COVID, there's hope to get that done as well. So you know, absolutely. I'm waiting for that as well, but, <laughs> but yeah, as, as Herzl said, in Tirtu, in so I know, but the way you solved the problem about getting your hair cut uh, with, with Israeli with with Israeli instruments, uh, uh, where's that story posted? Where can people read about that? So it, it, it's on YouTube. It's called Follicular Zionism During the Pandemic, <laughs> or and it's also available on my on my website, which is HerzlCollection.com. I usually, as as Nakum knows and has alluded to, I usually have my haircut in Israel at um, my barber is Shmulek. But what do you do during a pandemic when you can't travel to Israel for your haircut? <laughs> and that is reflected in that video, which I hope your listeners will enjoy. Oh, I watched it. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's so funny. Uh, what can I tell you, David? You're you're a tr- you're a true blue Zionist, or I should say, a true blue and white. Uh, Zionist. Tomorrow is the program. And by the way, we should point out, we just scratched the surface in this conversation, right, David? There's plenty more tomorrow for people to enjoy. There, there is much more. It is really fascinating, and it's really an example of how 
Zionists use every tool in our arsenal to conceive, to advance, to gain support for, to nurture, to protect the Jewish homelands. And it's an inspiring story, even in the toughest of times that you described. Yeah. Use every tool, and it hopefully inspires us to continue to do the same. If you want to be part of it tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, everybody, it's 1 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow. They require advanced registration. So go to azm.org, azm.org slash pavilions dash of dash promise, pavilions of promise, azm.org slash pavilions dash of dash promise, 1 p.m. tomorrow. And uh, teachers and educators out there, get, get your students to start researching David Matlow's work, both on Herzl, the World's Fair, and everything else. Encourage them when they do the history papers to do papers about things like this, modern Zionism, modern Jewish history. Uh, they'll be they'll be studying things that uh, they will not be able to find anywhere else, that I could tell you. And uh, you could check out David's website, as he described. And uh, and if you see the website, you will you will be treated to the uh, to a a bare minimum, a bare minimum of what he has in his incredible Herzl collection that we have been privileged uh, to see live and in person. David, good luck tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Please keep us up to date on all these important uh, aspects and issues of modern Jewish history. Thank you so much, and be well, be well, everybody. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM.
Hashem Kito Joey Newcomb wrapping up the hour. Before that, Naomi Shemer. I felt that Al Kolela is the uh, one of the only ways to wrap up that conversation with David Matlow. One unbelievable analysis of uh, Zionism on display at the World's Fair, even before, way before the State of Israel's founding. Tuesday morning, uh, feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Uh, remember, next week we are in Florida like half of the rest of the world. <laughs> We're gravitating to the Sunshine State. We'll be there Monday night at Beth Israel Congregation with Ray Bixen. That'll be Tuesday mornings, JM in the AM. We'll be there Tuesday at the um, Rabbi Alexander Sender Gross Hebrew Academy. For Wednesday's JM in the AM, our New Jersey Chair of the Jewish Unity Initiative, Ralph Rosenbaum, will be with us, of course. And um, we're getting ready. We're getting ready for a journey to a state that it seems half the world has been gravitating to for the last year and a half. And we'll find out just how incredible a community it is live and in person. That's happening next week. Tonight, it's Rosh Chodesh, two-day Rosh Chodesh, tomorrow and Thursday. Keep that in mind. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and AlchemSingle.com, and the AlchemSingle Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app.
Oh, you should. 
There you go, Shmuel Younger with Muftach here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that one, you heard um, Yishai Rebo and Nafshi. Yaakov Shweki had a couple, both Yagati and Lachaim, a toast to life here at JM in the AM to open up the 8 o'clock hour. Avrami's going to join us. Avrami's going to be uh, continuing the live lunch tradition today, Tuesday and Wednesday live lunches. Avrami's going to continue that tradition uh, today for the brand new season. So he'll join us coming up. If you missed our conversation with David Matlow, there'll be an archive later on at nahomsegal.com and, of course, on the NSN app. If you missed our conversation with Hillel Fold this morning about the social media outage yesterday, you'll find that on the app, nahomsegal.com. Uh, on the website and, of course, on the app, on the NSN app and the archive section. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. We mentioned we're doing what millions of people have done over the last year and a half. We're heading to Florida. On Monday night, we'll be at Beth Israel Congregation under the leadership of Rabbi Bixen on West 40th Street. If you're in Florida, come on by. Say hi. Participate in the uh, delicious uh, dinner that they're serving uh, you'll see a radio show being done live. We'll talk about Florida and why it's such an attractive state and how amazing the Jewish community is down there in Miami Beach. That's Monday night starting at 7 p.m. We will air that show Tuesday morning here at JM in the AM. Wednesday morning show will be our visit to the um, Hebrew Academy, Rabbi Alexander Sender Gross Hebrew Academy, that's uh, under the leadership of Rabbi Guttenberg will be there on Tuesday. That'll be Wednesday mornings, JM and the AM. So Tuesday and Wednesday morning, our visit to Florida, our New Jersey chair of the Jewish Unity Initiative, Ralph Rosenbaum, will be with us. We are looking forward uh, to an amazing visit down to the Sunshine State. We're doing what millions have done over the last 18 months. We're heading to Florida <laughs> to enjoy the uh, in incredible uh, Sunshine State as it's been described, uh, and as so many people have been doing over the last year and a half. J.M. and A.M. Tuesday, light rain, cloudy, and a high of 70. We're at 76 in Yerushalayim, 61 here in New York City. It's Erev Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan. Rosh Chodesh starts tonight. It's a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Rabbi Heber tomorrow on the first day of Ulu Chaparas Pasha. Rabbi Heber tomorrow, 7.35 Eastern Time, to discuss 5782, to discuss his brand-new book, discuss calendaric trivia. Rabbi Heber tomorrow morning right here at JM in the AM. Modeani kolboker shechzar taet nishmati modeani albeged shenachtal gufi shelohielikat ashomer alai. Modeani kol boker alaor alatsameyoti modeani alechem shenachta leshulchani shelo yeraf shelo edaker Alens for khiyukhai modeani al kol kishronotai ve al kol shirai et kulam akdish lekha Dalekha, 
שנתת בשדותיי, לדאוג לאוהביי, נתת לי חיי. על יום המנוחה מודה אני, על שפע וברכה, על המשפחה, כל כולי רק בזכותך. דע לך, דע לך, שמודה אני לך. ודאי ומכשוליי הם כולם לטובתי, אין אחר בלימי, רק לך מודה
J.M. in the A.M. Ta-ta-ta. That is Avramo, Avram Freed here at J.M. in the A.M. Well, as I mentioned, we are um, continuing some amazing traditions in season number 10 of the Nahum Siegel Network, and that includes our live lunches, which air on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The Thursday live lunch even predates the uh, founding of the network. And uh, Avrami is responsible, the great Avrami Finkelstein, who's based in Israel, as many of you know, and is one of the uh, backbones uh, of the Nahum Siegel Network. Without him, we would be in uh, in rough shape, to say the least. I should say that more positively. With him, we're in amazing shape. Um, Avrami's going to be hosting again Tuesday and Wednesday live lunches, and of course, Saturday Night Siegel as well. And he's with us live via telephone. Avrami, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nahum. Good morning to you and all the listeners. Great to be back on. First, a, an amazing opportunity for me to thank you because you are the uh, one of the backbones here at the Nahum Siegel Network, always attentive to every single detail programmatically and behind the scenes. So I'm going to thank you for that as we start season number 10, as hard as that is to believe, here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And you have run me, if I'm not mistaken, for you and me together. I think it's season number 16. Does that make sense? 16 or 17? Does that make sense? Something like that. Wow. 16 years in, uh, in November. Unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable. I'm a lucky guy to have an incredible support system that includes you, that I could tell you. And I hope you and your, thank fa- you very much. Hope you and your family are doing well there in Israel. Yeah, thank God. So especially uh, school has started again. <laughs> Everyone's there <laughs> instead of learning from home. So in that sense, and, and the kids aren't complaining or anything. So, uh, yeah, thank God it's going well. <laughs> yeah, kids are in school. That's a big thank God from Avrami. So when, when you do the live lunch, which we moved years ago to the 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, time slot, uh, you're actually at the dinner hour over there in Israel, yet you're presenting a two-hour live lunch every Tuesday and Wednesday. I hope that's not confusing for you. Well, it isn't confusing for me until this coming this time of year when it's going to be dark while I'm doing a lunch show. Uh, that does it makes the day seem a bit longer because it's the middle of the day, but it's also night outside. So mm. the beginnings of that does take some time to get used to. Uh, but yeah, it is. I do call it a live dinner, right? When I'm hosting, I say it's a live dinner. But then I also acknowledge the fact that you know we have listeners that it's uh, earlier in the morning, like on the west coast of the United States. So it just makes me more conscious of that about really how many different time zones we're spanning and dealing with, and and uh, how I um when we have our listeners who are on the west coast. Uh, for them, uh, when the uh, live lunch is starting, that very well could be the first show of NSN that they're uh, that they're enjoying uh, when their day starts. It's funny, you right? Because s- for them, it's eight in the morning. So yeah. I'm like, oh, th- you know, thank you for starting the day uh, with my show. It's so. funny you say that because when I hear from LA and other areas of California, very often uh, they're telling me that they won't hear JM and AM till later in the day. And as you just said, they'll start their day with programming that goes on after 9 a.m. here in the New York City area. So, yes, that's true. We are a 24-hour network, and you never know when and from where people 
are tuning in. Rummy Finkelstein hosts the live lunch. I'm assuming, and this is in no way a, uh, a a negative, if anything, it's a positive, that you will continue the tradition of a two-hour live lunch on Tuesday and Wednesday with plenty of music, trying to fulfill as many requests as possible, and just having some fun with people in the middle of the day. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I always say it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do that, to be able to share Jewish music uh, with NSN, with our listeners around the world. So as uh, as long as uh, you will uh, have me in that spot, I'm uh, more than happy to uh, to be there and to hopefully be bringing a little bit extra, uh, you know, happiness and good times and good music to people during their day, especially like you hear when people are, you know, being part of the show and making requests and I'm able to fulfill those requests. Uh, you know, I'm very happy to be doing it. And use the app, everybody. It's the easiest way to get in touch with Avrami. Obviously, you could email him, but if you use the app, the NSN app for Android and iPhone, it's probably the easiest way uh, to get a comment in and to uh, get your request played. We should also mention that Saturday night you are the host of Saturday Night Seagull and that's something that you do with Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. He's responsible for the Torah. You're responsible for the music. And I am assuming, just like it's been happening for the last many, many weeks, I am assuming that as we enter and continue to push the beginning of season number 10, you'll be doing that every single Saturday night. Uh, yeah, it's uh, even when other stuff seems to, when we have off because of Yom Tovim or, or Cholamoid or whatever it is, and we know that uh, Matis is always going to be there, uh, on Sunday mornings, and I've always felt the same way about Saturday Night Seagull. So it really happens pretty much every available uh, Saturday night, except for I think maybe two in the three weeks, like that first one of the nine right. days, whatever. <laughs> like that's when it doesn't happen. But yeah, so uh, again, just you know, keep on going. Part of that uh, NSN weekend programming. Well, Avrami, I want to thank you. It's live lunch with Avrami today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It's live lunch with Avrami tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and every Tuesday and Wednesday, including the days that we'll be down in Florida because we're recording Tuesday and Wednesdays, JM and the AM uh, down in Florida, as we've been telling everybody for next week. But Avrami will be live starting at 11 a.m., recapping those shows for everybody. And, of course, Saturday Night Seagull every Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler, who is the Mara de Astro at Avaz Achim in West Orange, New Jersey, is responsible for the Devar Torah each and every week. And Avrami uh, presents the music each and every week during what we call Saturday Night Seagull really gets our programming going. If you follow the charts, Avrami, it's amazing watching people log on all through Saturday night because they know that we're starting the week off with a great brand new show. Well, it's uh, always really uh, great to be able to present and, uh, and be part of it. Avrami, best to you, uh, Toby, and the entire family, 6,000 miles away, and we'll <laughs> I have a feeling we'll be in touch over the next few minutes. <laughs> Sounds good. And, and <laughs> Thank all, you so and, much for having me on. <laughs> a pleasure. And all day long, frankly. There he is, the backbone of the Nahum Siegel Network programmatically and behind the scenes with every single detail of Rummy Finkelstein. It's been 16 years and a tremendous blessing for us. And on the hosting front, he really has taken the responsibility to present the live lunch on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, was not always his responsibility, but he has uh, embraced it. And, of course, Saturday Night Siegel as well, and I thank him very, very much for that as we continue with the beginning of season number 10. Rabbi David Heber tomorrow. Rabbi Heber's on tomorrow, 7.35 a.m. Eastern Time on Jewish Calendaric Trivia for 5782 and with his brand-new book. Rabbi Heber has a brand-new book. It's called The Intriguing World of Jewish Time, and that's happening tomorrow right here at JM in the AM starting at 7.35. Also, Rabbi Mayer, you did as a brand-new book, The Power of Chinuch. We will speak to Rabbi Yadid tomorrow in the 8 o'clock hour, and that is, of course, an Art Scroll presentation. Go to artscroll.com. Rabbi Mayer Yadid's book, The Power of Chinuch, is brand new. Use promo code RADIO. Always use promo code RADIO. When you go to artscroll.com, you get your great price and free shipping. Always use promo code RADIO at artscroll.com. 
Com. Well, those of you out there who may feel the stress of uh, this pandemic, and who doesn't, frankly, um, maybe you're feeling stressed or anxious. This is something that your kids no doubt have picked up on. We've worked with OL Children's Home and Family Services for many years, and OL knows how to help our children in our community with sensitivity and with expertise. OL's specialty is working with issues of anxiety and building resilience. If you need help, I encourage you to contact OL at 1-800-603-OHEL, 1-800-603-OHEL. Contact them. They will be extremely, extremely helpful to you and your family. Our friends at Gaia Coffee are uh, encouraging everybody to um, uh, order a starter kit from Gaia Coffee, G-A-I-A-Coffee.com, G-A-I-A-Coffee.com. Use promo code radio, by the way. Use promo code radio for a 15% discount, G-A-I-A-Coffee.com. It's basically a brew bag. You, you prepare a a hot boiling glass of hot water, and you just toss the coffee brew bag in, and you have fresh brewed coffee. It tastes amazing. I have had it. It is really good. Um, if you're a coffee lover, I would love to get your review about Gaia Coffee. Imagine making the entire Gaia your personal coffee bar. They have an amazing number of varieties, and it's a uh, really good-looking package and a great product gaiacoffee.com g-a-i-a coffee.com on instagram gaia coffee roasters on facebook gaia-coffee-roasters check them out today this portion of nsn programming brought to you by our friends at a h enjoy t- enjoy a 10 percent discount on all abels and hyman products at kosherdogs.net with promo code radio a h has been serving the kosher world since 1954 and a h products are available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide try a h Today, more coming up at JM and the AM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hashem, oh, 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 oh
J.M. and the A.M. on a Tuesday morning broadcast. Well, it seems that people are getting excited about our trip to Florida. First of all, <laughs> the big news is listener Sina will be in Florida. Remember, I accused her of spending a lot of time in New York City. Baruch Hashem, we're in Florida Monday night through um, through Tuesday afternoon, and it sounds like she will be there, Baruch Hashem. So we look forward to reuniting with her in the Sunshine State. She wrote on the app, yay for the Florida trip. I'll actually be here. Very exciting. Thank you, listener, Sina. Uh, Rabbi Cash says, good morning, Nahum. Looking forward to seeing you here in Miami, I hope. All right. Fantastic. Thank you very, very much for all of that. And we're looking forward. Uh, we'll be at Beth Israel Congregation on Monday night starting at 7 p.m. That'll be the recording of uh, Tuesday morning's JM in the AM from the Sunshine State. And then we'll be at the... Um, we'll be at the... Uh, Rabbi Alexander Gross, Rabbi Alexander Sender Gross Hebrew Academy under the leadership of Rabbi Guttenberg on uh, Tuesday. It looks like between 10 and 1. That's the way it looks like the show's going to pan out. And that'll be Wednesday mornings, JM the AM. So Tuesday and Wednesday on the air from Florida, a place that it seems everybody's gravitating to. Everybody wants to go to Florida these days. Our Jewish Unity Initiative New Jersey Chairman Ralph Rosenbaum will be with us. I thank him as the Jewish Unity Initiative gets off to a strong start in this 5782 season with our visit down to the Sunshine State. Baruch Hashem. Thank God that worked out. And I thank everybody who helped it work out. Join Turo College as we celebrate 50 years from a class of 35 students in 1971, Turo is now a flourishing institution. More than 100,000 alumni graduated and moved on to serve the community in the fields of medicine, dentistry, healthcare, finance, Jewish education, law, social work, and so much more. Be part of the Jubilee Year and help honor the esteemed alumni, dedicated faculty, and inspiring students. Visit 50.turo.edu today. 50.turo.edu today. And... Uh, participate. It's a tremendous celebration, to say the least. Our friends at um, ShopEichlers.com continue to have the largest Judaica store online with uh, unbelievable categories, incredible brand new items, lots of stuff that you're looking for in every area of Judaica, plus something that I don't think anybody else can uh, can offer, and that same-day delivery to all of these. Some places may have same-day delivery, this has same-day delivery to all of these neighborhoods. Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Toms River, and Jackson, New Jersey. Check out our friends at uh, shopeichlers.com today. You'll be glad you did. By the way, a special hello to those listening on Naki Radio. Naki Radio is a very popular web radio in the Jewish world that a lot of people seem to be installing in their home the Nahum Siegel Network is now available. If you look at the list on your portal, if you look at the list on the uh, when you log into your account, you will see the Nahum Siegel Network is available on your Naki radio. Make sure to install it and enjoy it. A lot of people have it going day and night constantly. That's what you should do, by the way. You take the Naki radio, put the Nahum Siegel Network on, and then you raise and lower the volume as you want it. Overnight, you lower the volume, and of course... Once you wake up in the morning, you raise the volume and you listen to our programming. That's my suggestion. I know it's a very sophisticated suggestion. <laughs> I don't know if everybody who's not tech savvy can handle that, but 
But trust me, it's an effective and wonderful suggestion. Uh, more coming up. Yehuda Green at JM in the AM. <laughs> Let me pray just one prayer Hashem, let me sing just one song Hashem, let me live till the great morning comes When the whole world will sing just one song
J.M. and the A.M. with Ellie Schwabel and Abister. Wow. What a song. Um, Yehuda Green before that. Thanks for listening, everybody. J.M. and the A.M. on a Tuesday morning. Tuesday live lunch with Avrami is live from Israel coming up at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in. 
You can post whatever you wish on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. Uh, big news. Big news that we're heading to Florida. It seems to be making quite an impact. Tuesday and Wednesday, JM and the AM next week from Florida. We're going to record Tuesday morning's JM and the AM from Beth Israel Congregation with Ray Bixen and his amazing community. And then we're going to record a Wednesday's JM and the AM on Tuesday from Ray Gutterman's um, um, Hebrew Academy, Rabbi Guttenberg's, excuse me, Rabbi Guttenberg's Hebrew Academy uh, down in Miami Beach. So we'll be there two days uh, broadcasting again Tuesday mornings and Wednesday mornings JM in the AM. And uh, very much looking forward to it. Should be a, uh, a wonderful visit. After all, half of America has been heading to Florida. <laughs> Why shouldn't we head to Florida? That's the way it's been over the last 18 months. Half of the USA, it seems, is trying to get to the Sunshine State, either living there permanently or spending as much time there as possible for a variety of reasons that I guess we could discuss next week. Hey, tonight's Rosh Chodesh. Tomorrow's the first day that we say Uluch Paras Pasha. And tomorrow we speak to Rabbi David Heber. A, a 7.35 a.m. Eastern Time. 7.35 a.m. Eastern Time. Rabbi Heber's got the brand new books. Got plenty to say about 5.782. Tomorrow morning, make sure to be tuned in right here at JM and the AM. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio, around the world of web and AlchemSingle.com on the AlchemSingle Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Tuesday here at JM and the AM. Plenty more tomorrow. Rabbi Heber at 7.35. Rabbi Yadid with the brand new book about Chinuch in the 8 o'clock hour from artscroll.com. When you go to artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. Another exciting day coming up tomorrow. And Avrami has a live lunch coming up at 11 a.m. today. Make sure to be tuned in. And have a fabulous Tuesday. Until <laughs> tomorrow, Nachum Single reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.